Good day, stoners, and welcome to this exclusive episode of the Turning Stones podcast. On today's episode, there's not going to be any adverts, no mucking around. It's going to be a complete monologue of my COVID-19 positive experience. So 10 days ago, I contracted COVID-19. I tested positive. And in the last 10 days, I've gone through some ups, some downs, and this whole episode, I'm just going to go through my complete experience, how it happened, all the symptoms, my recovery, and everything in between. So stay tuned. See you on the other side of this. So let's start from the top. How it happened? How did I get COVID-19? Well, that's the interesting question. That's the million dollar question even I'm still trying to work out. Um, the days leading up to me testing positive <clears throat> seemed fairly normal. Uh, nothing out of the ordinary, to be honest with you. Um, I just did what I usually do. Um, and I'm actually even working from home, which you would have thought would minimize the risk of any exposure. Um, I did pop into work that week. Um, had to pick up and drop off a few files. Um, but everyone in the office is socially distanced. Um, we only have a, I think, 25 percent density at work, plus everyone that is roaming around the office at work wears a mask. Um, after that, I left to come home, so I was only in work for a few hours. On my lunch break, I stopped past the Adelaide Central Market. Once again, um, nowhere near as busy as it ever was um, during, I guess, since this pandemic, unfortunately for all those traders um, over there, um, but yeah, I mean, it wasn't really busy when I went. Uh, picked up a bit of fresh produce um, and some meat. Um, actually, I picked up seafood, not meat. Um, and if you're ever wondering, it was some nice king tiger prawns. They were quite succulent. Um, got them from Angelakis Brothers as well. But yeah, anyway, I digress. So yeah, I went to the central market to get some food. Once again, another place where you wear masks. Everyone's being pretty socially distant, and it wasn't busy at all. Um, I also uh, went to football training. So Australian rules football is what I play and I, I trained. Um, but once again, like no masks obviously there, but it's an outdoor activity. So you obviously have the fresh air. You're not confined into small rooms or anything like that. Um, of course, with footy training, um, there is a bit of physicality and a bit of contact. It is a contact sport. It is pre-season, so not as much contact, but it, but it was there. And of course, you know when you're offering your teammates signs of encouragement or reward, you, a few high fives, shaking of the hands to a few boys um, before and after training. So, I mean, I don't know that. That's I could potentially point the finger to that. Um, and then that, they're pretty much the settings that I can recall in the 48 to 72 hours prior to showing any symptoms. So how it happened, I don't know, still a mystery. Moving on, my first symptoms. So it was on the Friday morning where I woke up and my throat was so sore. It, I've, I, I mean, we've all had scratchy throats before. Um, we've all had sore throats before, whether it's been with colds or flus in the past. Um, I've never had a flu, but I've had a lot of colds before and, and sore throats. And usually before this pandemic, if you got a little tickle in your throat, you just carry on and get on with business. This was no tickle. This is the sorest my throat has ever been in my entire life. Weirdly enough, Thursday night, went to bed, not an issue. Woke up Friday morning, absolutely killing me. 
struggling to speak, so painful to even swallow my own saliva. I was forcing myself to have water just for a bit of extra lubrication um, in my throat, and that was painful to go down. And I'm thinking, shit, something's wrong. Obviously, I had to work Friday, but I couldn't. It was just that painful. So instead of obviously calling my employer and you know saying that I was unable to work, I actually couldn't speak properly, um, and it was really hurting to speak. So I could string out a couple of sentences, but it was really painful. So I texted work saying, look, I've got a really sore throat. It's very painful at the moment. I'm not coming into work today, or I'm not working or logging on because I'm currently working from home. And I thought, this is out of the ordinary. Like, as I said just before, I've had scratchy throats before, but this was something different. This is something far more severe. Um, so obviously the alarm bells are ringing and I straight away hopped in my car and went to go get a COVID test. Um, and so the COVID test that I did get was a PCR test, a lot more accurate. Of course, the turnaround time is not as quick as what a rapid antigen test um, can provide, which is a 15 minute turnaround. Um, however, PCR tests a lot more accurate. Um, and we've covered PCR testing on a previous episode of the Turning Stones podcast. So if you want to know what a polymerase uh, chain reaction test is all about, well, get on to our PCR test episode. I give you the full rundown as to how that polymerase chain reaction testing actually works. So I got my PCR test. Fortunately enough now with South Australia, they have made uh, rapid antigen tests uh, legal and valid. So there isn't such a demand for PCR testing. So I obviously drove to a PCR test site and I didn't have to wait at all. I drove straight in. It was one of those drive-through testing stations, drove in. Um, this has actually been my eighth P- PCR test. So I've had it seven times prior, so I knew what to expect. Um, swabbed down the throat, um, and then of course, in both nostrils. They have actually changed their uh, method of testing via the PCR. At first it was just um, right at the back of the throat and then really right up the nose. Now they're not going as deep down my throat or up my nose. Um, this time, what they're doing is they're still going reasonably uh, deep down the throat, but then in, in the nose, it's not as far deep, but they're swirling it around five times and in each nostril, not just one. Um, and then the last one I got, not only the swirling of the five times, and she counted it one, two, three, four, five, she actually left it there as well for five seconds in each of the nostrils. Um, I mean, really, that's not a big deal. Didn't hurt. I've had it before. So that was my PCR test experience, um, different to all the previous seven. So that was my eighth one there. Um, essentially after that PCR test came straight home, of course, I'm required to, regardless of what the result was, I am required, um, by the state to isolate and quarantine until I get my results. So if it's negative, so you basically have to isolate until you've got a negative test result. Clearly, um, obviously with the purpose of this episode, um, I received my Test result later that night. So I got my test around, I'd say 9, 9.30 uh, Friday morning. Got my result after 10 p.m. So it was about a 13-hour turnaround. Not too bad. It's It's been worse before. Um, some people have had to wait two days to know what their test was all about. But basically, even if it was negative at 10 p.m. and I was free to go, I had to isolate up until that point because I was showing symptoms. So yeah, got my result and I was COVID-19 positive. To be honest with you, that whole day, once I got home from my PCR test result in the morning, uh, sorry, when I got home from my PCR test, um, I started feeling some other symptoms. So 
I not only on top of the sore throat, I think it all started hitting me um, with the realization that it could be. Um, I, I had a fever, so I was feeling shivery, sometimes hot. Then I just had a real lethargic feeling, lots of fatigue, tiredness. So I basically just went into a study room. Um, so it's like a spare room in my house, isolating away from the rest of the family. And basically laid on the couch, put on some Netflix, I don't know, some rubbish on there. Uh, probably press the watch anything button where it's just on shuffle. And I'm not a huge, um, well actually I've, I don't, I rarely, and when I'm saying rarely, maybe once or twice a year I'm, I made those off during the day, but I never nap. And um, for the next few days, uh, I was taking naps and it was just because I just couldn't keep my eyes open. So um, yeah, I mean, that's interesting. So yeah, that, that was the day of my PCR test result. Basically just, I was um, not bedridden, I was just basically couch ridden, just on the couch, watching TV, taking naps, coming in and out of naps, um, but basically no energy, um, shivery. So sometimes I was had the blanket on me, sometimes I didn't. Um, and of course, all this with a like a really painful sore throat. Um, it was the worst I've ever experienced. And uh, just gonna have a bit of tea at the moment. Currently drinking peppermint tea, so I'm really into the peppermint tea at the moment. I used to be. Uh, all about the Greek mountain tea, but I mean, you know, taste buds change and this is the flavor of the month for me. So Twining's peppermint tea. I know I'm using a tea bag, so for all you tea lovers out there, I apologize. Um, so all the tea snobs are really against tea bags, but uh, Twining's makes a decent uh, peppermint tea. Of course, nothing beats loose leaf. Trust me, I'm all over it. So that my symptoms basically throughout the whole COVID-19 positive experience, the only three symptoms that I experienced was a really sore throat, a fever, and lethargy, which is basically feeling lethargic, fatigued, and tired. The first three days of my 10-day isolation period, so once I obviously received my test result, I um, the day of actually getting the test and, and testing positive is day zero. So it doesn't even count towards the 10 days, which is slightly frustrating. Nonetheless, um, I was okay with it because I had come to the realization even before I got my test result that I may have tested positive or that I will be testing positive. Um, so when I did actually receive the result, it wasn't a shock to me because of how I felt. Um, a lot of people might get scared out there. Of course, yeah, it's not great any, any time to be sick regardless of what you've got. Um, no one wants to be sick. But sometimes when you're not feeling well, you've just got that realization, okay, yep, I'm not well. Now it's all about my recovery. What can I do? How can I put my body in the best situation possible to recover uh, as quick as I can and as efficiently as I can, but recover properly? Not just quickly get back into the swing of things again and sort of ignore some of those underlying symptoms. How can I get my body, this is what I was thinking anyway, to where it was, but efficiently and effectively. So I didn't want to just get to where I was straight away, but then like, you know, still have that lingering fatigue and all that sort of stuff. I wanted to get back to where I was and have no noticeable difference. Um, so anyway, after testing positive, those first three days, the day of test, which is when I was first symptomatic, and then I'd say that, so that was the Friday, the Saturday and the Sunday um, was absolute hell. Um, I had no energy whatsoever. I actually lost two and a half kilos throughout those first three days. So upon, I think I weighed myself either, 
I think it was Sunday night, which would have been the end of the third day um, after showing symptoms, um, I lost two and a half kilos. So, um, and, and, and that's no surprise because, you know, not only did I have a sore throat, fever, I was lethargic. I actually had for the first day and a half, no appetite. Even actually for the first two days, I lie. First two days, no appetite. I hadn't, so from Friday morning, um, well actually from Thursday night dinner, all the way until Saturday night dinner, essentially two days, um, and that's excluding any um, tablespoons of honey or strepsils to try and cure my throat, which actually did not work, by the way. I was drinking tea, I was drinking lots of water, which was painful to um, swallow, because my sore throat was just really killing me. I said tea with lemon, tablespoons of honey, Lots of strepsils, even like the good quality antibacterial, antiseptic, um, numbing strepsil, uh, throat lozenges, nothing was helping. And so I think that contributed to my uh, lack of appetite. And so from Thursday night dinner, the next time I actually ate something properly, if you're not counting honey or tea or um, those strepsils, the next time I ate something substantial was Saturday night. So no surprise why I lost two and a half kilos. Um, and what I did have as my first meal, and I think you know it's it's a tried and proven, um, tried tested and proven uh, remedy. I think is some nice chicken soup. And for all those Greeks out there, it was avgolemono, which is basically um, chicken soup. I didn't have any noodles or rice with it. It was basically um, chicken stock made up with chicken bones and a lot of the fattier cuts of meat uh, of the chicken, being like the drumsticks, the Maryland, and all the bones. Um, of course, a few organ meats in there as well with uh, some giblets and livers, so a bit of offal there and some organs to um, obviously spruce it up and, and provide such a really rich stock, which is really good for you. All those fats in there are so good. Um, and of course, I just had basically the, the stock, um, the chicken stock, which was homemade with some chicken. I just ate some a couple of drumsticks from the chicken, so some nice meat there with the skin. And the avgolemono part, which means egg lemon in Greek, that is basically you get the stock, you mix it with an egg yolk and some lemon, and it just provides such a beautiful flavor. And even better, it gives it an aesthetic appeal with a really nice yellowy color. Um, and I love chicken soup when you really give it some good lemon. Uh, just to spruce it up a little bit for my immunity as well, I chopped up uh, clove of garlic, like really finely put that in there and also put some fresh chili in there as well. Not a lot, um, and if you wanna know which chili I was using, it was the bird's eye chili. Pretty good spice, and probably one of my favorite chilies where it's actually good in flavor, but great in spice, and I'm, I'm a bit of a chili fiend. I think anything above that starts to get a little bit too spicy, where I'm talking like habanero, ghost chili, um, scorpion, Trinidad scorpions, and then even like we go into the Caroline Reapers where it becomes poison at that point. Uh, I've tried them all, but yeah, um, for me, chili is not only about tasting the spice, but the flavor that it can add and enhancing the meal that you're eating. So a bit of chili, a bit of garlic in my egg lemon chicken stock soup. Um, it went down a treat. And to be honest with you, like just having that made me feel a little bit better temporarily, and this was the, the, the evening of my, of my second day, um, but still a lot of those um, symptoms were still there and they were prevalent and I was still feeling fairly unwell. 
Um, just to stem off that as well, is that the chicken soup that I did eat, um, I didn't have a lot of it because once again, I didn't have an appetite. Um, and so I, I just force fed it. Like, I mean, a couple of sips was really nice. It was flavorsome. And, and I did have my taste buds, by the way, and, and my smell. I didn't lose any of those. Um, so it really tasted good, but I just didn't actually want it. But I forced fed myself. And, you know, to be honest with you, eating is a bit of a passion of mine, um, as well as cooking. Um, so, I mean, eating's not really a chore. When you're feeling really unwell, it is actually tough to eat because you're just not craving anything at all. But I force fed it. And I think in the long run, probably my, better, my body was better for it. But I still think... After all of this, the secret medicine is just rest. You can take all the medicine, drugs you want in the world. Nothing beats good quality rest. And my body certainly needed it because even though I was having naps during the day, um, and usually when I've ever had a nap, and it's very rare, sometimes it affects my sleep at nighttime. So when I'm going to bed, I'm not as tired as probably what... Um, I should be, and it, it, I find it a little bit more difficult to fall asleep at night time if I've had a nap during the day. However, my body was craving rest that much. I was having, you know, hour, two hour long naps during the days, but still falling asleep fine at night. So clearly the body was demanding and craving that rest. And I believe in the long run, hence my ability to do this podcast right now, it paid dividends. So in terms of remedies or what I've tried, I tried taking, uh, or tried um, eating tablespoons of honey, which apparently is good for your throat, um, and usually actually does the trick when I've had scratchy throats in the past, and it's good sugars, um, so really great energy there as well, um, just to sort of snap out of that fatigue, and um, the actual honey was fresh out of the hive. Uh, uh, shout out to my brother who um, captured some of that fresh raw honey out of the hive and I was actually eating it straight off the honeycomb. So you basically just break off a piece of the honeycomb um, in its rawest form and freshest form, harvested that day from the, the hives and you basically chew it and then you just spit out all the wax that um, is obviously where the honey is encaptured into it. So that's it was so delicious and like, you know, you, you just wish when you're having such good quality food like that, you didn't have to be sick so you can really appreciate it, but nonetheless, really good. Uh, some other remedies, well, I was just having um, some tea, squeezing some lemon in it, and I mean, that usually works as well. Uh, lemon's great to uh, alkaline your body and those pH levels, even though it's an acidic fruit, people uh, think it's more on the acidic side of the pH levels, it's actually an alkaline, so little fun fact there for you stoners. Um, other remedies, I was taking strepsils. I took a couple of Panadols. I probably took maybe in total eight Panadols uh, over the course of the first three days and then refused to take one after that because once my fever subsided, I thought, what's the point of actually taking paracetamol because I don't think it's going to do anything. Sometimes I think the placebo effect works with people. They just take a Panadol and instantly just have that um, assurance that they'll feel better. I'm not a subscriber to that. Um, I'd rather have you know the more natural remedies like you know your lemon in some hot water or some tablespoons of honey or a chicken soup made from proper chicken stock, nothing in a packet, um, and and eating good quality whole food. I believe they're the remedies. Um, and as they say in the Bible, not that I've read it, but I've seen a couple of verses before. Um, food is thy medicine, they say, and uh, well, it rings true because I'm here to tell the tale, I suppose. Um, 
So I guess, yeah, they're my remedies. My diet, basically, for the first three days was chicken soup um, and also being a bit cheeky, but I just thought it might help my throat. And also, because I was in such a calorie deficit, not that I'm worried about macros or anything like that, just more for energy levels, because I was in such a calorie deficit, I was eating just plain vanilla ice cream. Um, two or, I'd say probably three or four scoops, so a pretty good serving. But I mean, when you're having hardly anything during the day, when you're having a bit of chicken stock with some chicken and not a lot of it, uh, you're having a couple of um, strepsil throat lozenges, you're basically at a severe uh, calorie deficit. Whilst your body um, is inactive, just resting and sitting down all day, essentially, you're still burning um, a fair few calories, or you're definitely burning a lot more uh, than what you're consuming. So I was, I was basically having the ice cream for two purposes. Uh, the first one was to provide some comfort to my throat, and that was probably the only thing in the first three days that provided comfort. Because it was cold, um, it, it actually provided some benefit to my throat, which was nice, and it tasted good, and I didn't lose my taste buds, so I always love a good quality vanilla ice cream with some vanilla beans in there. So that was good, um, and yeah, and of course, and the second reason why having ice cream was for the calories, um, just to get a few more calories, just so I wasn't in a severe deficit. Because I believe if I drop, I think if anyone drops uh, weight really quickly, a lot of weight really quickly, um, that actually can, um, I guess, provide exponential, um, I guess, detriment to your recovery. So not only are you sick and your immune system's trying to fight that off, well, it's got no fuel to function, to recover and repair the body. So, you know, you need to provide um, it some calories. Of course, I could have chosen a better form of calories, um, but that's all I could really have was like, and that's all I really craved either as well. It was like, I couldn't actually have anything else um, that I could think of, like nothing really in other whole food forms other than chicken soup and some ice cream and some teas in between. So they were my diet and remedies. Um, the implications of being COVID positive and being around other people, well, unfortunately, I was around a few family and friends and some acquaintances, and you always have to be the bearer of bad news, unfortunately, and um, yeah, I just had to inform uh, all of those that I'd come into contact with within those 48 hours that I had tested positive, and if they were deemed a close contact according to the criteria, which is changing every couple of hours, which is a bit frustrating to all of those that live in South Australia or even Australia in general. Oh, I notified all of those if, and I just said, you know, at your own risk and your own assessment, if you were deemed a close contact, because I'm not going to do those assessments for every single person while I'm sick. They can obviously make the judgment call themselves. I just told them, um, make the judgment call, um, look at the criteria. If you're a close contact, unfortunately, you need to get a test today and on day six, and you need to isolate for seven days, and the test only needed to be a rapid antigen test. Um, so yeah, I had a few people that had to isolate because of me, unfortunately, and I, you hate to be that person. Um, and of course, uh, for all of those that may have been casual contacts, if they developed any symptoms, well, for them to go get a PCR test. Because if you're symptomatic, PCR test. If you've just been around someone positive, rat test or rapid antigen test. Actually, rat test doesn't really sound right. It's like, that's rapid antigen test test. It's like saying ATM machines, like uh, automatic teller machine machine. So, rat. Um, and so, yeah, I, I mean, I have to be the bearer of bad news. And, and fortunately enough for me, even though I didn't know where I got it from, 
no one that I had come into contact with in the 48, hour prior, 48 hours prior to me um, testing positive contracted the virus. So I was really happy about that, especially with all my household contacts. So everyone that I live with, no one got it and I isolated appropriately um, because I think that's the right thing to do because the last thing I want to do is get them infected. But by the time they realize they're infected, who else have they given it to? So it's one of those things where the growth and the spread is just um, unfathomable at, at times. So my 10-day isolation period obviously started the day after I tested positive. So I tested positive on the Friday, so day one was on the Saturday. Um, the first three days were really rough. Day four, I noticed my throat was improving a little bit, which is really nice at that point in time. Day five, once again, throat was improving again. Fever started to subside, but Throughout this whole process, even though those two symptoms were going away slowly, slowly, I still had high levels of fatigue and lethargy. Um, and that didn't really go away until closer to the 10 days. Um, I believe day seven was on the Friday. Um, and so I remember, um, which is a week after testing positive, I, I started feeling um, pretty good, but then I took the extra precaution and took that extra day off because I knew if I go back to work on Monday instead of the Friday, I've got the Saturday and the Sunday for that extra bit of recovery. And as I said at the top of this podcast, recovery was number one for me. That was the most important um, to get my body back to where it was so I can function efficiently, effectively, and pick up where I left off prior to contracting COVID-19. So, yeah, I started feeling good on the Friday, even though, I mean, I started, I was, I felt good in the morning, and then as the day went on, I started feeling those fatigue again, um, and then even I went back to work on Monday, and as of this recording, it is Tuesday night, um, so yesterday, I went back to work my first day at home, of course, working from home, um, I was really energized, I actually thought that extra two days on the weekend really paid dividends, I thought I got myself to the best possible condition, um, that I was in for in those last um, 10 days or so. But I noticed in the afternoon, I started to crash. I don't know if it was due to, obviously, the, the fatigue that I've developed through COVID-19 or a combination of that and uh, back getting back into the swing of things with routine and that sort of stuff. But um, today's Tuesday, so um, today's my day of freedom, which is really nice. I got the text message last night saying, as of midnight tonight, uh, which is today, um, so as of midnight today, um, I was able to, um, I guess, leave the house, which is really nice. So when you're isolating, you're not allowed to leave the house. Um, <clears throat> and of course, avoid contact with any person um, if possible and if applicable to do so. Um, so yeah, obviously, uh, it was nice to have my freedom day today, but unfortunately, I had to work for the majority of it. And um, yeah, once again, today, I feel, I'm feeling better again. I'm improving day by day. And I'm just still got those lingering bits of fatigue. I've, you know, since I was able to actually go for a bit of a walk, like a bit of a walk, and stretch my legs a little bit, because for the first three days I was on the couch doing nothing. I've got my watch, my Garmin watch. Honestly, the most steps I was doing was probably a thousand steps a day, and that's nothing compared to what I usually do. I'm usually averaging the, the ten to twelve thousand steps a day. I try not always get over ten thousand steps. Um, well, that's just a bit of a mental thing. They always say 10,000 steps is good, but I don't think that's the be all and end all. So if you're doing 10,000 steps and you think you're exercising, think again. Um, so don't get caught up in that. Um, but I was, yeah, I was only doing 1,000 steps a day and pretty much most of the time it was just getting up, 
go onto the couch out of bed because the other only two rooms I was going into the spare room where I had the couch and the TV and then my bedroom. Um, I reckon most of it was going, getting up in the morning, going to that room, going to the toilet, like walking up and down to the toilet, walking to the sink to fill up my water bottle and that was it, thousand steps, absolutely nothing. Day four, I reckon I did a few more um, steps. I probably walked around the house. I live on 11 acres, which I'm fortunate enough. So day five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, I was making a conscious effort to do what I could to get outside because I know in addition to all those remedies that I spoke about earlier, I think vitamin D, such a natural source, um, such a natural vitamin available, I think that's just as important as well um, to get the sun on you um, and in you. So what I was doing from probably day five onwards was trying to go for walks um, when I could and when I felt energized to do so. And what I was doing was, and it was warm weather here, so it's summer in South Australia at the moment, um, I was just wearing singlet and shorts just so all of my, and no sunglasses because, uh, you know, one of the best ways to absorb vitamin D is through your eyes. Of course, you don't want prolonged exposure, uh, not only on your sun, uh, on your skin from the sun, um, but also through your eyes because obviously you can create damage to your skin through melanomas and skin cancers. And of course, through your eyes as well. It's always important to have some protective eyewear after a while of prolonged sun exposure because it can burn your retina. So I was... Um, trying to get as much vitamin D as I could from day five onwards, going for walks. And then slowly, slowly, I started getting climbing my step count close and closer to that 10,000 mark. And in the last three, four days, I have been doing everything I can to get to the 10,000 step mark. And I noticed that when I was getting outside and going for walks and trying to get as, um, I guess, active as I could, as well as having the appropriate rest, um, I noticed that I started improving a lot more as the days went on. Um, and of course, after the first three days, which is my diet was just only soups and ice cream and teas and lozenges, I started eating solid foods and, and proper meals from days five and six. I was just incorporating some eggs um, into it, um, some free range eggs straight from uh, the assholes of my chickens. Sorry to give you a visual there, but that's where it comes from. Um, straight out of the coop, pretty much laid that day straight, you know, into the uh, carton of uh, the egg carton and then straight into the pan, cracked, beautiful, delicious. Um, I love cooking them with loyal olive oil um, and sometimes with butter as well. Make sure it's grass-fed, good quality butter, but either or just goes really well with uh, some salt and pepper. And I was, I was actually really enjoying some eggs. Um, it was good to have some protein as well. Of course, the chicken soup was providing that, but you know, you get pretty bored of that for three, four days straight. So I was having some eggs. Then I was incorporating a bit of greens, a bit of salad, um, just some baby spinach, um, a bit of cucumber, a bit of tomato, a bit of capsicum. Um, so I, was, I love salad and I think vegetables play an important role in diets. I'm not a dietitian, but I can only speak for myself. I function better and I feel better if I have a salad at least once a day. doesn't matter if it's with lunch or with dinner, just something with my body. I function really well and I feel good if I've had a salad in a day. Um, you do what you want to do or you know what feels right and feels good for you but that's just my thing is that I love salads and the fact that I couldn't have a salad or crave a salad really frustrated me um, so the ability to not only get some other sources of protein through you know some meat some eggs but also to have my um, fiber through my vegetables um, 
I'll start to feel better as well. So I believe once again, food is thy medicine. So not only um, having some of those good quality um, vitamins through my stock, which is good quality uh, vitamins and minerals in there, and the protein from the chicken, getting it from other sources is just as important, as well as getting that vitamin D. Um, it was great. I also took a multivitamin as well from day five onwards. Um, I don't know how much they do. Um, could just be a marketing fad, but I just thought, because I'm not eating completely properly yet, um, just to supplement anything that I'm missing, let's just chuck it in there. So after the 10 days isolation, which just concluded as of midnight last night, there's no requirement to get another test. And that's interesting for a lot of people may not know, um, a lot of stoners out there may not know, once you've tested positive, especially here in South Australia, you're not required to get another test. So the science is basically you will not be contagious after the 10 day period of isolation. Um, and the reasons why they don't want you and you're not required to get another test is because COVID is still in your body, it's still in your system, your body's still trying to shed the virus and it will still show up. So if you were to get another test after the 10 days, you may test positive. So that's the reason why you're not to get another test. So once my 10 days isolation's up, which was yesterday, uh, I guess the question is how am I feeling now? I would probably say, on a to give you a number, I will probably say I'm feeling 95%, um, closest to 100 that I've ever been since contracting COVID-19, and that's a pretty good number. Um, I think all that rest that I had, the exposure to my vitamin D, um, a good quality diet with a lack of junk food, I didn't even drink a drop of alcohol throughout the whole time. Um, you know, I was, I was pretty disciplined, not that I'm an alcoholic or anything, but one of the hot days, I remember on day seven or eight, when you know you could start returning back to normal, I was, I was craving a beer, but I thought, you know what? Give my body the best chance to recover. Get the rest with the sleep. Get the vitamin D through the sun. Get the good diet into the body and everything else will look after itself. And I think the satisfaction and the feeling of being fully recovered or even feeling what I'm feeling at the moment, even if it's 95%, is more satisfying than a you know, than a tall glass of cold beer. More satisfying than a frothy, to be honest with you. So if you ever get COVID, this is my experience, by the way. I'm not saying this is going to happen to you because I've heard of a lot of people that have got COVID, got some friends that got COVID, had it a lot more mild than I did. I don't know if I had Omicron or um, Delta. They don't let you know that. I guess I could find out, but apparently according to the data or the data, whichever way you want to say it, according to the data and statistics going around, 97% of all cases in South Australia are Omicron. So I would just assume that it's Omicron. Um, and so, yeah, I was really wiped out for three to four days and then started making improvements thereafter. I still wasn't 100%, still not 100% if I'm gonna be completely honest uh, right now, but good enough to go um, to the gym today to do a bit of a workout, good enough to uh, clock up 10,721 steps as we are speaking right now, good enough to work a full day. Um, so I mean 95, maybe I'm, I guess I'm understating how I'm feeling, but I'm just gonna be conservative and say 95. So yeah, how I'm feeling now, pretty damn good. 
And I guess sometimes I feel better now than I have, you know, before COVID because, you know, sometimes when you're a bit sleep deprived or, you know, it's been a stressful day, you don't feel great. And I probably feel better now than some of those times. So what did I do in isolation? Well, I'll tell you what, I watched a fair few movies uh, on Netflix, a lot, a lot of rubbish out there, um, of course, with Netflix. And, you know, sometimes when you're bored and you're scrolling on a streaming platform, you're like, oh, there's so much to choose from, but like, I can't find anything to watch. Well, you know what? I just didn't give a shit. I just watched something that looked good, good thumbnail. I was scrolling across, read the synopsis, looked half decent, just gave it a flick and gave it a watch. Um, and uh, uh, one movie I did like, and I'm, I'm a big fan of World War II, um, Nazi Germany and all that, uh, Munich, The Edge of War on Netflix. Um, that was pretty cool. Basically when, um, it was basically in the war, just before uh, World War II started, where England and Germany and France were having negotiations as to um, Germany trying to reclaim the border that they lost from Czechoslovakia and all that. And there was a few, um, I guess, uh, translators for either Germany and England that were friends previously before you know the war started and um, behind enemy lines there was you know um, a coup to try and get rid of Hitler and, and kill him before it even started but that didn't eventuate but it was cool to get a different perspective and a behind the scenes um, uh, as to what went on and obviously the, the Prime Minister in England at the time was uh, Neville Chamberlain so you could see some of the decisions that he made, even though he was actually privy to some information that um, Adolf Hitler wanted to do certain things later down the track. So he was privy to that information, but he could only act on what was in front of him at that point in time. And he was a very big advocate for peace. Um, and that's what he tried to keep was the peace. And he did in his... Uh, tenure as prime minister and of course towards the end uh, I think most of parliament lost confidence in him and that's when uh, Churchill came upon anyway I digress so I don't mind Munich the edge of war um, what other movies there's one at the top of my tongue I might just do a quick little web search now um, it was a movie with what's his name Gerard Butler uh, it was on Netflix. Um, it was pretty. It was, it was a half decent movie, I would say. So the movie was called Cop Shop, and yeah, half decent movie. Um, it starred obviously Gerard Butler, um, and basically, yeah. So Gerard Butler, Frank Grillo, and Alexis Lauder. Um, set in a small town police station that becomes the battleground between a hitman, a rookie cop, and a con artist. Not bad. Typical Netflix film, though. Um, would I watch it again? No, I wouldn't. Would I recommend it? Mm, how bored are you? Uh, it was okay. I mean, I'm being a little bit harsh there. Uh, it was okay. So they're the two. F oh, and actually, I watched Greenland as well, and that's on Amazon Prime. That was with Gerard Butler as well. Maybe, maybe it was a bit of a Gerard Butler theme, um, COVID-19 positive experience. That was pretty good. That was one of those uh, doomsday scenarios um, when the world is falling apart with, uh, of course, a comet um, about to, or an asteroid, whatever it was, about to hit Earth, um, and only select people around the world were chosen to go to Greenland 
um, to go into a bunker and survive the comet. Um, Gerard Butler was one of the main characters with his family because he was a structural engineer. He was chosen um, because obviously he could provide civilization after the, the comet and earth strike um, assistance because he was an essential service. So like doctors and um, farmers and all of those types of occupations that are essential to living in life and structural engineers and you know all those and mathematicians, I'm guessing all of them. And of course, accountants, you'd hope in that. And even maybe a Turning Stones podcaster. Um, they were all, um, I guess, summoned to Greenland, but everyone else was just, that wasn't chosen, was just left to die. So that wasn't a too bad, it wasn't a bad film. Um, in terms of TV shows, um, I've watched The Big Bang Theory, and then there was um, Young Sheldon. So I started watching a few episodes of that. It's a really light comedy, probably appropriate for more so families. Um, that was a good couple of laughs. Sheldon's obviously a very much an intelligent freak kid, um, smart ass know-it-all, but it's a, it's a good laugh. I mean, I watched a few episodes here and there, um, and that was okay. If you like the, the Big Bang Theory, give young Sheldon a go. Um, and then I've also been started watching Snowpiercer, which is on Netflix. Great, great show. Just finished season one. Really looking forward to the rest of them. Um, basically, end of the world type of scenario again. As you can tell, I like those types of themes of shows. Um, it's basically the world freezes over. It's like an ice age again. However, there is a train that this wealthy man, Wilford, built um, that circumnavigates the earth and it needs to keep moving all the time because if it stands still, it freezes and then everyone on board freezes. So basically, um, all the rich were able to buy tickets on this train and keep humanity alive whilst living on the train, whilst earth froze over anything outside was frozen uh it was like 100 it was like minus 130 degrees celsius really cold but on the train um which was operating um through hydrogen sucking it through the snow um that was providing its fuel uh, as it was moving and its electricity as well um but basically there's like three classes of people on this train depending on how much you paid for your ticket first class second class third class and then there was also all these humans that before the train took off um jumped on the train as well but they weren't paid passengers and they're called the tailies because they were at the tail of the train and basically i'm not going to give away too much but the show is all about you know obviously it's human survival on this train whilst you know the earth warms up again but whilst this is all happening, there's so much conflict between all the classes of passengers on the train. There's a murder that takes place, and it's pretty cool to see. And they give some sort of description as, how, as to how the train functions, because they've got you know farms, and um, they've got you know medical labs. Um, they've even got like you know a garden where they're growing vegetables, and the farm where they've got cows on board the train. So everything necessary for humanity and civilization to operate. So that's pretty cool too. Um, I was playing a bit of PlayStation, um, and for anyone that um, wants to watch me on Twitch, I'm on Twitch as well, so hit me up in the DMs if you want to know what my Twitch channel is. So I was playing a bit of PlayStation, I was, I was playing Grand Theft Auto 5, so just trying to still finish that uh, campaign and that story. Love that game, great game. I just always get distracted, just basically in sandbox mode, just doing what I want, just blowing up shit, killing people on the street, punching on with cops, always good fun. Um, just don't do that in real life stoners. Uh, watching a lot of YouTube, just random things on YouTube from how to smoke briskets 
all the way to, you know, walking tours of Barcelona. Like I was just searching anything and everything. And I even stumbled across Liver King. He's a pretty entertaining man who just eats raw liver and he loves the ancestral lifestyle. Um, I was also watching some of his stories on Instagram. He's a he's a pretty cool character. Um, you know, he's ripped. Uh, I could imagine that he's obviously got some potential, um, I guess, performance enhancing drugs to get into the level he's at. But nonetheless, lots of hard work to get to that point. Um, got a fairly good diet, except I'm probably questionable on all the raw meat that he's eating. Probably not the greatest. Um, but everything that he does eat, if it was in cooked form, I'd definitely eat it. Um, eats a lot of organs, of course, liver, because liver is king and he's the liver king, as he says. Um, so he clearly, I've watched a fair bit of his stuff for me to know that. Um, so yeah, he would just prove that he eats um, raw liver, um, takes chunks out of it. What you know, the video goes to he swallows. He'll eat um, testicles. Um, he'll eat bone marrow raw. Um, he eats um, raw mincemeat um, from good quality cuts of beef, raw eggs, um, and he calls you know some pork crackling his salad. He may have some carbs in the form of potatoes. So he's basically living the caveman diet or the ancestral lifestyle. Um, he's an advocate for getting sun every day, regardless of the temperature. He's always outside without his shirt, in shorts, no shoes, trying to earth his feet. Um, so he was a pretty interesting uh, character. Um, so there are some of the things for entertainment that I've been doing in isolation. Of course, you know, texting mates, um, having some video calls with friends and that sort of stuff. Um, just trying to keep sociable as much as I can. But yeah, guys, final statement. COVID-19 positive. This is my experience. I'm not saying this is what's going to happen to you. This is my experience. I didn't get a mild version. I probably got a serious, more of a detrimental version of Omicron. I don't think it's as detrimental as those other variants. I can't speak because I haven't experienced those, but from what I can experience with Omicron and with what I got, um, wasn't great. Don't wish it upon anyone. And I do understand and appreciate that those people that are vulnerable out there that do have health conditions, even the elderly, where their immune systems aren't as strong as they once were, if they got what I got, yeah, I would be pretty fearful. So guys, can only go off my experience. Do what you can not to get it. And I'm not condoning any vaccines or anything like that. Just do what you can not to get it. Whether it's you know wearing a mask in a high-risk setting, um, hand sanitizers, just staying socially distanced, um, keeping yourself fit and active. And I did, but unfortunately, sometimes it just happens to the best of us. It's an airborne virus. Where I got it, I still don't know. And that's the mystery of it. So once again, guys and stoners out there, Stay healthy, stay safe, stay distant, and do what you can not to get COVID-19. I'm all well and good now, hence the reason why I was able to do this podcast. But I want you listeners, you stoners out there, to keep safe. And I appreciate you listening. Take care. See you next time.